Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 541, coming to you on the 4th of December, 2023. As we wrap up the final month of the year, let me remind you, there is still time to subscribe and follow this program. Go to your favorite podcatcher, do the thing there, right? Sign up, follow, uh, hit the notifications, what, whatever works best for you and your podcatcher of choice. And if you'll join me on the Facebook page or group, it matters. It makes a difference. Keeping in mind, I show up at MeWe and Gab as well. And for the time being, uh, YouTube has saw fit not to delete all my content. So come follow me over there. And as always, if you'll rate and review that's a little something extra I ask. I, I've got four listeners. They're extremely busy, and I could sure use another one or two. As we continue our climb and the goal, the big goal, right? Can we get 250,000 downloads before the end of the year? We're getting there, but I could really use your help. All right. In the meantime, on with the program. This is a tough thing. Over the weekend, I had um, several different thoughts or directions that I was looking at for both, you know, the Monday show as well as Tuesday's show. And um, I got to say, the events of this weekend were, if nothing, disappointing, uh, but not surprising. So I've decided to go with Monday maybes, as in Maybe this will happen and maybe we can do these things because it just, as always, my party finds a way to let you down and it's just unescapable at this point that we're, we're just, we're going to have to keep working with them because we can't get rid of them. (laughs) I just, I, I don't know. And when I say get rid of my, I'm referring to our leadership, not necessarily the party leadership, but the leadership in the uh, state government that is allegedly from our party. So when, when I talk about these things, I, I just want to be clear. You can be disappointed. You can be upset. You can be angry at your party or your leadership of your party that does not make you Anything other than the average person, right? Uh, It's just the way it is. I I imagine the Democrats get quite mad at their party from time to time. Lord knows the libertarians are always angry at their party. So why should the Republicans have it any better, right? But the idea is these folks are there to represent us. We have a state Republican executive committee, uh, two people per Senate district that are supposed to represent their Senate districts, right? And when they're doing that, they're, they're looking at what's the best interest of the party coupled with what are their people want? What, what are the people that they're actually representing desire? And they've got to balance those out, right? You've got to be careful not to give your rep, your, your representees, right? You can't give them everything they want because you potentially damage the party. But on the flip side, you can't protect the party at all costs, 
because then you will never get anything done and you'll never keep your people satisfied or happy. I mean, that that's that's the balancing act there. So to an, a certain extent, I get it. Um, but how do, how do we fix this? Now, I'm certain that I was uh, quite open that I had certain expectations. So I was certain that I was open about certain expectations. How about that? <laughs> uh, this weekend, the SREC met and they were supposed to take up the discussion on whether or not they will allow or pass through a question, a ballot question, should Texas reassert its independence? Seems pretty simple. We're not asking the party to endorse this, right? And as a member of the Republican Party, I'm not certain that I actually want the Republican Party to endorse it. In fact, I would prefer the Republican Party stay neutral on that, like they're officially neutral on all the primary elections of that have more than one candidate in it. That being said, the SREC had their attorneys, the the party attorneys show up and basically talk them out of it. That's my understanding. And if there's more to the story, which there almost always is, right? Fine. But the party is so afraid of what, I don't know, but they're so afraid that we, the people might get our voice heard that they ran away. Now, these folks are supposed to represent us. And there are plenty of people that I know that don't actually support Texas independence, but they wholeheartedly agree that we should have a vote. We should be heard on this. There should be a discussion. If you can't talk about a national divorce, if you can't talk about independence, within your own party, within people on your own team, how are you ever going to get anything done? I'm perfectly content with the idea that we might lose. In fact, I I get it. But the fact of the matter is, if you're not going to allow a discussion, you're already caving in. You're already telling your people we don't care. You're you're already losing. It's a lose-lose, right? So the state party could have said, look, uh, we, as the Republican Party of Texas, we neither support this nor encourage this. However, our members would like to be heard on this. Our members would like to be able to vote on this matter. So we're going to allow it. No, we couldn't do that. That was too much, too far, whatever. It, again, it's just this point. North of 85 or what is it? 80 or 85% approval on the last platform. They part or the nationalist movement has over a hundred thousand signatures that they're turning in. So the question will be on the ballot. It's just the party had an opportunity to work with us. And, you know, I've got one foot in either side of this situation, right? I am a good Republican. I do the work. I protect and defend our people and help to get them elected and or reelected. And I'm a Texas nationalist. I'm a Texian. I believe that Texas independence is the proper way forward. But one way that the Republican party can see themselves tossed onto the scrap heap of history to push themselves off into irrelevance is to continue (laughs) to fail to do the things that need to be done or to deliver when they need to deliver. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
brief interlude there. So apologize. Uh, boy, if, if I had an ad, that would be a place to put it. <laughs> uh, there'll be more on what went on at the SREC uh, related to our uh, Texas nationalist brethren, the uh, Texas independence movement tomorrow, because it'd be more appropriate. But as far as the representation goes, I, I wanted to touch base on one additional thing that I know went on at the SREC. And it's this. I don't know why that my Republican party loses themselves over the slightest thing that might be interpreted as being anti-Jewish or anti-Hebrew or anti-Israel. The vast majority of the party, myself included, is pro-Israel, pro-Hebrew, pro-Jewish, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Now, myself personally, I see some issues with what the government of Israel does. I, uh, I see some challenges with the Zionist movement, but that doesn't mean I dislike or hate any of them. And perhaps the fact that this is a very nuanced and challenging subject, once you get past the initial answer, is why they feel the need to invest so much time. But the irony is, is 90 plus percent of the American Jews vote against us in every race all the time. So I guess this is about keeping the Baptist happy, which I'm not technically a Baptist, but my theology is about as similar to a Baptist as you could be. So I, or maybe it's the dispensationalist. I don't really know. And, and I think there's a significant difference between Semitic race, which includes a group of people. So you say somebody's anti-Semitic, that would mean they're anti-Arab and anti-Hebrew. Not quite sure you want to go down that path. It's a little... It's a little challenging. And again, it's nuanced, right? It requires a lot of effort to distinguish everything. Anti-Israel, I guess it's like being anti-American. I can be pro-American, but not support what my government does in my name. So if I'm anti-Israeli government, does that mean I'm anti-Israel? I don't know. I mean, who's defining these terms? Who's taking action on them? These are all good questions. I mean... Does that mean if I dislike a person, um, let's uh, use Ben Shapiro. If I, I'm not a fan of Ben Shapiro, does that make me anti-Semitic? I mean, I don't think it does. I know plenty of other folks that are either Jewish or Hebrew by birth. And then several people that worship under Judaism. I don't dislike any of them. I get along with them just fine. In fact, we agree on a ton of stuff. So I'm not really sure. But yet the Republican Party invested hours to argue this. And one could only conclude it was a giant virtue signal. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. I have yet to find a average Republican person that hates uh, Jewish people, Hebrew people, Israel, or the Israeli government. But yet we spend an enormous amount of time trying to cover that. Whereas the other party, the Democrat party, for those of you not following along, they actively support all sorts of policies that would destroy Israel, destroy the Hebrew people, and nobody cares. 
Not sure how that works. Not sure at all. I myself don't see the value in continuing to argue about it. Uh, if you really truly believe that, oh, and I get this one more thing. We're not supposed to tolerate or support people that would be perceived as being pro-Nazi. So if that's the question, does that mean that none of us should be supporting uh, the Ukraine, right? The Ukrainian government is clearly pro-Nazi. I mean, how else would you describe it? It's it's just very, very interesting. And again, it's very nuanced, very detailed, far more than what I would ever want to invest more than five minutes in my um, <laughs> my show here. I mean, you spend hours arguing about a specific word or two. For what purpose? Does anybody really think the Republican Party hates Jews, hates Hebrews, hates uh, people of the faith or the background? And if you do, why? Where's your evidence? I mean, other than a few ill-tempered statements and some other people might have made or the fact that they talked to somebody that obviously has issues. I mean, having a conversation with somebody does not necessarily connotate that you agree with anything they say or do. It's a conversation. I mean, does that mean I'm no longer allowed to speak with leftists or progressives? Because then I must agree with them. I mean, clearly anybody that's listened to my show knows that ain't true. It's the same thing. Come on. Let's use our heads. We're supposed to be the Republican Party. We're supposed to be able to think beyond the simple answer. We're supposed to be able to understand that everything is not the same all the time. All right, I'm moving on. Votes. Voting, right? This is directly related to the idea that we have representation or we have representatives. But if votes can be bought, votes can be manufactured, votes can be changed, what does it mean? I mean, our own state legislature apparently has the ability to go in and change their vote after the fact to be whatever it is. And that's the vote of record even after what happened happened. So I, well, I actually, I voted against this, even though it's already passed. Now, presumably only a certain number of people can change their vote because then otherwise they'd have to go back and change the actual outcome of that vote. Interesting how that happens, right? So the votes in the legislature are basically meaningless. The votes that we have to elect our representatives apparently are likely to be meaningless as well. You may recall I brought up the issue in uh, Senate District 30 where apparently somebody that actually, in fact, listen, or lives in Senate District 12 is running in Senate District 30. So I asked the rhetorical question, well, I live in Senate District 8. Does that mean I can run in Senate District 30? I mean, if somebody else can that doesn't live in the district, why can't I? And the, and the sad thing is, is apparently the Republican Party of Texas isn't going to do anything to prevent this guy from putting his name on the ballot. How does that work? It's kind of crazy if you ask me. Now, now maybe they're biding their time. Maybe they're looking to see if the person will self-correct this. If if maybe that the individual that put down their business address instead of their actual home address will realize that you can't really get away with that and take his name back off the ballot. I, I don't know. One would hope 
that we would do the right thing. That that's what the expectation is, is that we Republicans hold each other to a higher standard. But then I digress. I spent a lot of time talking about the mess that is SD30, this go round. And again, I got to ask myself, where are the conservatives? Where are the patriots? Where are they? If you're a constitutional Christian conservative, how is it that you haven't found somebody that's qualified and capable of running for this office? It's essentially an open seat and we've got nobody. I mean, we've got establishment wing number one running and we've got potentially establishment wing number two running, but we've got nobody from the grassroots running. Now, maybe you say that's unfair, Stephen. You shouldn't call people out like that. You shouldn't be mean. Well, you'll know it. I didn't use their names. It's not hard to figure out who I'm talking about, I don't think. But I'm not looking to slander anybody or talk ill of somebody per directly. I'm just calling as I see it. Again, once again, I must remind you, this show is called According to Cal's for a reason. Because it is my opinion or my understanding of things. And I feel free to speak how I see fit. I, I try very careful. I don't accuse people of doing things illegally. I question sometimes if something's unethical or unreasonable. It's for you, the listener, to decide if there's a problem there and call your representative, call your senator, call your officials, call anybody or email them and ask them what's really going on here. Give them the benefit of the doubt. But they need to hear from us. they need to understand that they don't have a free pass. They don't get to just do whatever they want, that it's not, it's not that easy. They don't get to just pull one over on us. And this really directly ties to the votes that occur when they magically find more ballots or they magically recount them. And somebody magically has more numbers and, People lose races that they had won and people win races that they'd already lost. How does that happen? Inquiring minds want to know how you can gain a couple thousand votes overnight that magically appeared. But again, we've talked about this before. If you can't fix the election, you fix nothing. The people that are there don't in fact represent us. And, you know, you can look at who the top donors are and maybe get a hint of what they actually believe or what they want to do, but that maybe that's not fair, but what other method do we have in determining who these people actually work for, what they're doing and why they're there? I think those are all fair questions. And again, if a vote is meaningless, then why have the vote? Is it perhaps they're just trying to sell us on the idea that we have a representative republic through democratic, democratically established means that, that we, the people actually still have a say is that they're trying to sell us that even though if you take more than five minutes, you can see, well, man, there's a lot of holes in that argument. It's not entirely accurate. That's not really what's determining the outcome here now, is it? They say that the solution is getting the money out of politics, right? I would suggest that if you took the politics out of the money, the money would stay out. It was only when we expanded government enough that it could affect the outcome 
of business transactions, allowing people to make money or lose money, that the big money came in. If they didn't have that authority, they took that power back away from government, something they should have never really had in the first place. I think the problem would solve itself. But of course, maybe that's wishful thinking on my part. I'll grant you that. But what else should we think? Aren't you concerned? Don't you share any concern? Really? Honestly? We the people, we do all the work. We get these people there. They're supposed to represent us. And it doesn't matter if it's in the state legislature, the U.S. legislature, the governor, the president, or even our party officials. If they're going to go there and promptly disavow what we do, wiggle out from underneath it, ignore it, work against us, what's the point? What's the purpose? This brings us to the idea of allies, right? They're not our representatives per se, but perhaps they're our allies. Allies are not necessarily on the same team. Allies aren't always working towards the same goal. More often than not, they have a common enemy. I mean, just look at the historical record here, right? I think it's fair to say that the Soviets had no love for us or Great Britain, but they hated the Nazis more. They hated the German people more. I imagine that they had a very good reason for that, but we were foolish to think that we were going to gain from that. Now, obviously there was a lot of net positives for us, right? We sided with the Soviets we got them over on the Germans, but later on half of Eastern Europe suffered for that for a half a century because we did that. So again, there are our allies, but they weren't necessarily on the same team. We didn't want the same end goal. We we didn't work together for a long-term solution. It was a short-term solution. And I think that's what perhaps we're dealing with is there's a whole lot of people looking for short-term solutions because the long-term goal, that's more work. It's more effort. And honestly, If you were actually to achieve that long-term goal, perhaps there'd be less need for more elected officials. Perhaps there would be less need for all that money and power that flows through either Austin or D.C. If we were to actually be successful in reducing our government, putting it back down to what would be appropriate levels, if you will, wouldn't that change things? So just maybe, maybe we need to take a step back and reconsider what we're doing. Maybe we need to consider that the people that say that are on our team are in fact not on our team. They are allies for the short-term goal, excuse me, but they're not going to do what we want them to do long-term. In fact, they'll probably sell us out as soon as they're given an opportunity. That should be even more concerning. I know I've used this analogy more than once. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation recently where I reminded the individual, the concept is, well, look, it's nothing new. This guy is more than familiar with the 
discussion, but I, I was telling the story that the first time I used this, I said, you know, at least the Democrats will shoot you in the face. It's our Republican Party that will stab us in the back. But it's not really the party. It's certain people in the party. It's certain members of the leadership team. It's it's certain elected officials. We, we want to ferret them out. These are the people we've been working against and to remove and replace ever since the days of the Tea Party. Now, sadly, the very people we elected as part of the Tea Party movement, of, of the people that were just supposed to say, look, we want less government. We want to respect these things. We want our personal liberty, right? We want personal responsibility. We want fiscal responsibility, right? We, we want the rule of law. We want national or state sovereignty. We want these things. Why can't it happen? Why doesn't it happen? It's because quite frankly, the people that we, we took, we got, they are our allies. They were never really on our team. They had their own goals, their own long-term aspirations, What does that mean to us? Well, the last thing, the fifth thing was limited government. There is no benefit for them if they, in fact, limit government. There's nothing for them if they encourage personal responsibility because people not having personal responsibility just means there's need for more government to take care of the people, to fix their problems. Same thing with fiscal responsibility. There's no consequences for them spending more money and being wasteful and being really detrimental to our history and our future because there's never any consequences. Of course, that doesn't get solved. Our allies, no sooner do they get the, the next achievement, they kick us to the curb. They, they dismiss us. They don't show up. The rule of law has always suffered from the idea that it's a rule of men, right? The, the latest thing they can get over on us is what they go for. And as far as sovereignty goes, they have zero interest in protecting or reinforcing that. And case in point is the fact that they would resort to calling somebody that wants to look at being independent again, that they would use the terms traitor or sedition. Really? Really? They clearly haven't been paying attention. Because D.C. is the domestic enemy. And to a lesser extent, much of what goes on in Austin could be classified as a domestic enemy. Those are the people that are causing the problem. We, the people, have been telling them and asking them to not do these things and fighting back and pushing back and doing everything we could to work within the system. And under our own constitution, under the Declaration of Independence, it clearly states that it is up to us, we the people, to make a determination when we've had enough. Sometimes it's necessary to replace the form of government we have because it no longer suits our purposes, because it's working against us. It's become our enemy. Now, you may think that's harsh language, but I'll remind you, <laughs> 
that sometimes, and of course, these are the words of Thomas Jefferson, mind you, sometimes the tree of liberty must be refreshed or watered, if you will, with the blood of tyrants and patriots. Now, I don't want to get there. I don't want that. I don't believe that is a good outcome and that we will benefit from that. But let's be really honest about this. If we continue on this path and we won't stand up for what's right and we won't push back accordingly, what do you think is going to happen? I can tell you it's not going to work out to our best interests. I can tell you they're going to continue to work against us at every turn. The only way we can fix this is to replace the politicians with patriots. Yes, thank you, Robert West. If we can't do better, if we continue to accept what we've got, then maybe, just maybe, we should just go ahead and give up and call it a day. Maybe, just maybe, there's nothing left to preserve. Maybe, just maybe, at this point, because the conservatives have not conserved anything, there's not enough left worthy of an adequate defense. Now, if that surprises you, that bothers you, that's fine. But keep in mind, these are questions. I don't believe that. I'm here, and I'm here as many days a week as I could possibly get in to continue to fight the good fight, to try and make a difference. And I remind you each and every time that I think about it, that I need your help. I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. But maybe, just maybe, if we the people continue to act together and work together and act towards a goal, a long-term goal that we agree upon and set aside the petty differences and deal with our unfaithful allies, we can get to where we're going. Are you going to join me? Are you willing to do that? Are you convinced that there is a way forward here? If so, join me again. Don't forget to share, like, subscribe, and follow this program. That's how we get this stuff done. It's not about me. It's about the goals. It's not about a singular individual. It's always about the mission. And with that, this has been According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.